Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. This is Umar Hamid, your host, and welcome to the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategies, and advice on how to make you better, stronger, faster. Get ready for another episode. Today, I'm privileged to have Greg Derwart, the Managing Director of the Maryland Department of Commerce, and you guys just had a name change just to be Commerce, right? That's right. right. You're all about efficiency. I love That's that. That's right. Absolutely. So, Greg, tell us in 90 seconds uh, who you are and what you do. Sure. I like to tell folks that I am a leader of COGS. So, uh, throughout past 20 years, my thread of experience has, has been around uh, administration and operations of organizations. So, uh, I head up our administration team here at Commerce, which includes human resources, IT, budgeting and accounts payable, facilities management, fleet services, contracts and procurement. So you so, keep the machine running. So basically, you know, I, I'm a visual person, so you know, I have uh, pictures of clocks around the office because I like just that that symbolism of the the cogs mm-hmm. behind the scenes that are all crucial to the operation of the organization. Um, and it's even a part of the, the the mission statement that we created for my team. You know, we're we're uh, we're providing essential functions for the folks on the front line. Greg, so we get a better idea of who you are. Who is your favorite superhero, and what's the attribute that uh, speaks to you? Not just Superman, but Christopher Reeve's interpretation of mm, Superman. How so? You know, how come? Uh, I guess maybe that was the, the, the first, you know, I, I was probably eight years old when that movie came out in 1978, and I, I liked the, the, the humanness of him. Yes. You know, so, so even though he was a superhero and had all these powers, you know, he was also Clark Kent at the same time, and uh, he, he had uh, uh, emotions and feelings and, 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 and acted human in, in a lot of ways as well. Because someone in your job could be a very analytical numbers person, and for you, that human connection is important. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think, you know, when, when I look at the core roles that, that are most important to me in my career is connecting with people and, and, and serving people. So you've got uh, an organization of about 200 people. Correct. So one of the things that a lot of people struggle with, a lot of leaders, is A, how do we define our culture? Mm-hmm. And then once we've defined it, how do we get it into the hearts and minds of people? Because way too many companies have their values written on the wall, but nobody follows those. Sure. So tell me about when you guys came in, uh, Secretary Gillis and you. Yes. What was the old culture and what culture did you want and how did you go about making sure. it happen? Sure, sure, sure. Well, as you might expect, state government, just like any other government, can be quite bureaucratic. Uh, there's a lot of functions within government that, that can be regulatory in nature. So it's, it's natural for government agencies to just grow in that bureaucracy. So when Mike Gill came in in January of 2015, and I came in a few months after that, he, he talked about trying to change the culture so that we would be as anti-bureaucratic as possible. He talks about creating a culture of yes. So in other words, if you're a business, if you're a constituent, if you're a customer, if you're a stakeholder, if, if you have something that you're looking to accomplish, our initial response 
should be yes. Okay? Mike talks about how 80% of the time we can accomplish that yes. Ninth issue may take some work and eventually get there. And maybe that 10th issue, we'll never be able to figure it out. But at least, you know, nine out of 10 times, if you start with the attitude and the expectation that, yes, we're going to solve your problem, we're going to help you, we're going to make life easier for you, that's the right mindset to start with. So this is a hypothesis on my part, because I don't know. But I would suspect if you went from the old regime, how things were, to the new, and you've got this new vision of yes first. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people are going to be uh, difficult to get on board, mm-hmm. and some people will get on board, but the very next word from yes is going to be but. Sure, sure. So how did you overcome that? How did you actually get it you know, in the hearts and minds so actually people that are the citizens and business owners mm-hmm. feel that change? Sure. Well, a couple things, uh, both looking internally and externally. We, we went through a strategic planning process mm-hmm. early on uh, during that first year and uh, crystallized through a multi-year strategic plan what we were looking to accomplish. Uh, so that becomes our blueprint nice. moving forward. Uh, it sets the expectations of our customers, uh, but it also sets the ex- expectations internally as a team. And then I think one of the, the things that we've tried to accomplish is – taking everyone's handcuffs off. You know, we, we, and what does that mean? Well, we talk about how so many entities within government operate in isolation or in silos, if you will. And we're trying to create a culture and a situation where we encourage collaboration and interaction with team members internally and with other agencies. There's a lot of interaction and, and um, cross-pollination between uh, agencies that are business-facing. When you look at the Department of Labor Licensing Regulation, Department of Assessments and Taxation, several other agencies like that. You know, so we've created a, a commerce subcabinet where there's seven cabinet-level agencies that are all business-facing. They get together, those secretaries get together every other month and talk about big projects, and we talk about customer service, we talk about workforce issues, so that we're synergizing and interacting with each other. Can you give me an example of like one of those synergies that came about where that just made the customer experience better? Sure. Um, here's an example. There, there's a lot of development going on over at the old Bethlehem Steel Steel? plant Mm -hmm. in in, uh, Barrows Point area in Baltimore County, now owned by a company called Trade Point Atlantic, and they're redeveloping the land, the the space uh, for businesses to utilize. So whether it's Under Armour or FedEx or Amazon, there's been opportunities for commerce as well as the Department of Transportation from an infrastructure standpoint, uh, the Department of the Environment from a, a land use and stormwater management standpoint, where we're working collaboratively to make sure that that business entity is succeeding. Brilliant. And for some agencies, that's a, a difficult thing to comprehend. Yeah. I would, when, when you, you asked about, you know, a new group coming in and, 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 and how veterans were receptive mm-hmm. or not to that. And I would say that What's been interesting is that there's a lot of good people on the front lines of these organizations that have been around for a long time. They've wanted to do good work. They've had ideas. And I think the biggest challenge or the biggest opportunity for improvement for us is that mid-level manager, 
where there has never been, they've never provided any support, guidance, resources, empowerment of the good folks on the front line. And I think as we look at customer service, standards, and training requirements, that's where our, our biggest opportunity for improvement is going to be. I think so. And middle management can make or break. Yeah. Greg, who is a mentor for you? Hmm. There's been many mentors in my life over the years. You, I could look at uh, a teacher that taught me about presentation skills. I've had friends that have been mentors uh, from a motivational standpoint, from a spiritual standpoint. Uh, and, of course, uh, an overarching mentor throughout my life has been my father, you know, ba- yeah. basically the, the voice of reason in my life and, uh, and my best friend as well. What's the best advice you've ever gotten? Hmm. I think... I could tie that into some of my favorite books on motivation and just how setting a mindset about a positive attitude can change the world, change you know your whole aspect on life and, mm-hmm. and how you approach it. If you could have uh, lunch with anybody, historical figure, somebody living, somebody fictional, who's that person you'd love to have lunch with and what's the question that you need to ask? I'd have a lot of questions for him, but the one person that comes to mind is Ben Franklin. I, I'm a history buff, particularly American history, American Re- Revolution, and I see Ben Franklin as probably the, the, the first American entrepreneur. You know, he, he led so many lives, you know, starting as a, a business person uh, with his printing business uh, that he franchised up and down the East Coast to his scientific inventions and, and, and then his po- political, man. you know, and uh, international uh, political influence. So um, the one thing I can't understand, uh, I'm not sure if you got a hundred dollar bill in your pocket or not, no. but, but this was not the, the, uh, the studliest guy ever, but apparently he was one hell of a ladies man. <laughs> yeah. Like he yeah. was a, that's been a rock star in Paris. And it's like, yeah. Yeah, that's been pretty interesting to read you know, in, in the, the, the different biographies, yeah. So I'm also an avid reader. Okay. I was reading uh, Andy Grove's uh, biography, and he was talking about Intel, where uh, they were trying to decide whether to invest in microprocessors or where they were dominant in memory chips. Hmm. Internal debates for a long time. One day they do this thought experiment. He goes to Gordon Moore of the... Moore's Law fame. Right. If we were the new people coming in and the old crew got fired, what would we do? And this is something they've been struggling with for eight months to figure out. Mm. Instantly, both of them say microprocessors. Mm. Like it's a no-brainer. If we were yeah. the new people coming in, that's what we would do. Yeah. Because there's legacy holding us hostage. Yeah. So if you were the new uh, Secretary of Commerce, what would be the one thing you would change? Ha! <laughs> If I had the power to change anything. Yeah. Like, what would be the meaningful thing that you do for the state of Maryland? Well, it's, it, it's funny. I mean, I think we're doing a good job from a cultural standpoint. You know, we, we, we're, 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 we're doing survey data, looking at you know, how our customers are reacting to, to the things that we're trying to accomplish. And the data talks about how we're doing a good job from a cultural standpoint. We're, we're being more customer-focused. We're being more proactive uh, that culture of yes I talked about. One of the biggest challenges is is th- this bureaucratic machine that we don't necessarily have complete control over within the parameters of the executive branch. Right. And what I mean by that is 
procurement regulations, you know, uh, that uh, require legislative action. There, there's so many things that we're still doing as a state that have 20th century processes that are totally unnecessary, anti-business, and just scare businesses away. So if, it's not a sexy thing to talk about, but if I could change one thing, it would be the procurement process. Brilliant. <laughs> Greg, one of the books I know that you like is Good to Great, and right. what's one of the big takeaways, and how did you apply it to the Department of Commerce? Well, we were talking about the concept of first who, then what, and getting the right people on the bus and, 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 and the wrong people off the bus. So w when you look at hiring and you're looking at talent to hire, I've always felt that hire you know, for character and, and cultural fit, you, know, you can always train someone on you know do the task tasks, so if I have the ability you know, to, to to hire based on on character and, and cultural fit, is that, there a particular a win here that you guys have gotten where you hired someone with those parameters and they've just turned out to be a great employee? Well, there's there, there's a lot of folks uh, on the team that have, that have come in over the past three years. Mike has used this model, so he, he's hiring people based on character and cultural fit. And you know, so when you look at his leadership, his leadership team, there's a lot, a lot of great people that he surrounded himself with. So leadership skills are really important. Right. And sometimes uh, leaders higher up in an organization get the very best education around that or come with it. Mm -hmm. We had talked about middle management. Mm -hmm. So how are you providing them the leadership education they need to be great leaders? Sure, sure. One thing that we needed to do when we came in, because it was, wasn't in, in existence, was we created a management team. You know, we, we, we have about 25 or, or more folks that are in management supervisory roles, director level roles, and we would never get them together. So we created a management team, not just to have meetings, but to have them synergize with each other so they can learn what they're doing in their respective units. We bring them together to, to talk about best practices and, and how we can improve uh, the organization. We've also created creativity spaces. So over the years uh, as an agency, uh, we've downsized and right-sized, so in this beautiful building that we have here we had some vacant offices right so what we did was we got rid of the desks put some chairs in painted the the walls with the writing writable surface yeah and we uh, encourage folks to go if you're having a hallway or water cooler conversation and you just start brainstorming an idea we just have we encourage folks go to go into the into the creativity spaces and uh, write on the wall and just uh, collaborate with each other. And how's that uh, transformed the organization? I, th I think it's been a great way of getting crazy ideas just out in the open and just seeing what sticks. You know, we, 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 we have, I told you about a strategic plan and, and, and that gives us our anchor, our focus, and there's six overarching goals within the strategic plan. So as long as, if you come up with a crazy idea, as long as the it, lane, one that, of those six lanes, you're good. Then go for it. And then the other thing that I've learned, whether it's from Mike Gill or some of the other great leaders in my life, is to encourage failure and not 
all heads of an organization get that. And, and even personally, you know, I'm a type A person. I always want to succeed and do well. And, and I think the older I get, the, the, the more I realize that the value in having failures. Yeah. And the meaning people make out of it. Yeah. Because some people think it's the end of the world and other people think, oh, my God, that was amazing. Well, <laughs> what and, did I and learn? So, so, and not, so as managers and leaders, not having, as long as you don't hurt anybody or, or do anything immoral or illegal, you know, not calling someone out when there's a failure. You know, say, thank you for trying something. The governor's uh, chief of staff, Sam Malholtra. He's a former chief of staff. Yep. And he had a, he was in charge of human services. Yes. One of the things that he had told me was that uh, with his leadership team, that he had brought business practices to a government space, and rather than backlash or resentment, there was like a hunger for it. It's like, oh, my God, Absolutely. this is – where have you been all our lives? So uh, how do you bring in new ideas and into making better business decisions? Sure, sure. Well, it doesn't hurt having a CEO at the, uh, at the top of the organization that believes in, 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 in that mentality and, and sets those expectations from the beginning. Governor Hogan, when, when he created a, a customer service initiative in yes. the summer of 2016, I talk about how he didn't set that up as a hope or a wish. It was a new expectation. This is the way we're going to conduct business whether it's implementing customer service improvement plans at each agency, coordinating that with lean management and, and other process improvement mm-hmm. philosophies, and providing resources through um, consultants and vendors and, and, and just exposing agencies to these private sector best practices, that's the best way to, to, to see that come to fruition. How is the business community in uh, Maryland grading Department of Commerce? Have those numbers changed? Yes. Um, we use survey data at Commerce and across all state mm-hmm. agencies from a customer satisfaction standpoint. We actually just went through a, a process over the um, past couple months and did a like a check-in with our business customers. You know, how are we doing over the past few years? And uh, we're getting great marks on how we're changing the culture and uh, from, from a service delivery standpoint. Also, across all state agencies, we created a very simple three-question customer satisfaction survey that's on all agency websites. And during calendar 2017, over 80% of all respondents said that they were satisfied, somewhat or very satisfied with the service being provided to them. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And that was over 20,000 responses uh, d- during calendar 2017. One of the hardest things to do is to go from worker B to frontline manager. Hmm. Yeah. What would be three pieces of advice you'd give a new frontline manager to help them be effective? Be consistent and equitable in how you treat your team members. Mm-hmm. No special favors, no teacher's pets. Right. Treat everyone in, an, in a fair and equitable way. Be transparent and, and provide clear communication and expectations. Use the performance management process and, and, and help your team members set clear and realistic goals. Use the review process, whether it's on a quarterly or biannual basis, and you know, use that documented process to, to, to track goals and expectations. And have an open-door policy. You know, if, if, if someone needs something from you, 
they need to feel comfortable coming to you. Right. And, and not feel intimidated by you. And then the last thing I would say is, especially if, if, if you're being promoted up within the same organization, it's you can't be everyone's friend. It's almost like parenting. You, yep. you, you can't be your child's friend. Um, that comes later on in life. Like I, I feel like I'm, I've mentioned, you know, my dad is my best friend now, but he not when I was seven. <laughs> <laughs> so it's similar in terms of, um, you know, providing support for your team members. You, know, you, you, you can't just be their friend. You, you need to Makes provide sense. that structural leadership. What's something you know now that you wish you knew 10 years ago? Hmm. I think one thing that comes to mind is um, sticking with what you love. I have been blessed with many great opportunities in my career over the years. At one point in time, I probably went down a path that I thought was going to be beneficial to me. and I got into a situation in, 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 in a role where it didn't work with my skill set, and I, and I tried to just plow through it, and, and it didn't work out. So I, th- I think at the end of the day, I, I, I should have reminded myself, and I wish I could go back and remind myself to you know, stick with the stuff that you love. Great advice. Are there any books you'd recommend? Hmm. There, there, there's lots of uh, favorites on, on my bookshelf, uh, whether it's the, the Power of Positive Thinking, Franklin's Autobiography, uh, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits. Uh, heck, the Bible is, is a great resource, mm-hmm. you know, f- from, from a leadership standpoint. But if, if I had to pick one to, to recommend to folks and, and one that I buy for, for young people mm-hmm. often is Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. Why? It just, he went on a 20-year journey. He was, he was utilizing Andrew Carnegie's offer to be introduced to all of his friends uh, back during the the turn of the century uh, to go interview them and figure out what made good leaders tick. Right. And he took all this information and compiled them into this book. And uh, it's been a a core tenant of how I've tried to lead my life as well. Brilliant. Thanks so much for sitting down with me. Yeah, my pleasure. It's been fun. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results. 